Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. The Midnight Club, Season 1, Episode 6, which is the episode I'm going to be reviewing, talking about, and spoiling today. So if you have not watched Episode 6 of The Midnight Club, I would highly recommend checking it out, checking out the entire show if you don't want to be spoiled. But if you do, if this is how you want to consume that show by listening to me talk about it in depth, in detail, then welcome. And for those that have watched the episode, welcome as well. Let's get it started. As this episode, we know uh, it's entitled Witch, but the episode starts in a way that's different from every other episode thus far. This episode is the most different episode. In ever since for in every for every of of every episode so far, and by that I mean this episode starts with a story. We are inside of a story when this episode starts, where Kevin is continuing his story about Dusty, and uh, because of that, there's actually no toast. No characters actually say the toast in this episode. So I will start this episode with the toast. And then I'll get into the stories. And then I'll talk about what happens. Because that's how this episode's structured. And that's how I'm going to structure my recap of this episode. So without further ado. To those before and to those after. To us now... And to those beyond, seen or unseen. And then take a drink, you know, because it's a toast. Uh, I don't have a drink, but I at least said the words. And uh, so, yes, as I said, we are in the story. Kevin is telling the story of Dusty, where Kevin is playing Dusty. Uh, it is the serial killer story where he goes and kills these girls, puts a towel over their head, as he does in this story part of the story uh which if you want to go back the wicked heart is the name of the episode where kevin first started this story which has been to be continued and this is the continuation so we're there kevin kevin aka dusty is in another victim's bedroom the victim is laying in her bed he puts the towel over her head and again with the brutal hammer right by far the most brutal gruesome aspect of this show is dusty bashing the heads in of these victims in his story and uh so you see the dent in the towel you see the blood soaking in the towel and something happens in this this time that doesn't happen uh somebody catches dusty uh the girl's brother little brother is there and i think it's actually played by kevin's brother I believe I didn't double check that, but the girl's brother shows up and Dusty ends up having to hit him. The way it's done is beautiful where it's like the camera is the boy and he hits and you see the blood covering the camera and Spence gives him some props, uh, a little, Oh shit from Spence as Spence is one, two. I mean, he's, he, he's definitely has no problem interrupting, a person's story usually to provide a critique and this one is to show a little love 
uh, I guess, in some ways. Maybe not, but he's surprised that, I guess, ju- Dusty's just killing everybody now. And Kevin's like, well, he didn't want to, but he had no choice. And Amish is a bit tired of the interruptions. Like, could we please get through one story without any comments from the peanut gallery? Right? Trying to keep the story on track. It's bad enough that Kevin doesn't finish this story, that he keeps to be continuing this story, as apparently is his thing to do, which I kind of feel like it is his way of trying to actually keep people alive uh, for a little bit longer. But anyway, so no more interruptions. And uh, Dusty's like, listen, it's the orders he got last night. He has to follow the orders. That's how he gets these victims. And they show the night before as he's laying in bed. And how he gets these orders is that his mom appears in his bed, right? Instead of comatose sitting on the, the, the sofa, She's in his bed, grabs his face, and tells him a name, right? She dictates, she gives Dusty the name of his next victim. And he's just following orders, right? He's up on that pedestal just trying to make his mom feel good, right? To get his mom's approval, as is Kevin's lot in life, or at least was until he got cancer. So... And in this, you know, when he got his orders, the the name she said was Harmony. So that is the person that Dusty kills at the beginning of this continuation of the story. Cut to Alonka, a.k.a. Sheila. Uh, she is in the detective's office, office talking to the detective, played by uh, Stanton. And she thinks, Alonka, a.k.a. Sheila, thinks that it's a kid, Right. Looks like a kid. Makes sense that it's a kid. All the victims are kids. But the detective's like, it's got to be somebody older. This is the same M.O. We've been tracking this guy for 40 years. Nothing has changed until now. And I think it's changed because I think he's on to us. Right? He knows we're getting close. Right? But Sheila, she doesn't buy it. She's like, I th- it's got to be somebody at our school. Right? Probably other kids. All the kids, all the victims are people that go to that school. And, of course, Alonka very investigative she's researching julia jane and the paragon and ways in which to make herself healed from the cancer is very much that same type of a person in this story where sheila is just determined to figure it out and she assumes she knows the answer and then disagrees with stanton which is something that they butt heads with in this episode as well but the detective thinks it's older, 40 years, M.O. the same. So they think that they're on to him. So cut to school. Sheila is telling Dusty about this, that she's, you know, it's their theory. She f- feels that Dusty helped her come up with this theory, which I don't buy. There's no, I mean, obviously he wouldn't want to because he is the killer, but you know, he's he, she's giving him credit, which trying to be nice, I guess. And she says she owes him a real date because, of course, their first date, she went to go check on her friend. And that's when this whole investigation started. At least that's where her investigation of this stuff started. Uh, so she tells him she owes him a real date. Detective shows up at school. She's talking to Dusty, asking him for his advice on this Einstein chat program. 
and uh, asking if it's possible for somebody to use a false name to pretend to be for an older person to pretend to be a kid. And and Dusty almost takes that as uh, our cops, like asking her if cops are pretending to be kids in the chat room. She wants his screen name and he gives her a screen name that is different than the screen name we saw him use in the first iteration of this story, in the beginning part of the story. Uh, from that previous episode, he was using like Led Zeppelin fan or something like that. Forget the actual name. So it's clear that he is using a fake name. He's using a burner account to set up these kills. And he has like his actual screen name is like is Dusty S 1980, which born the same year i'm assuming that's the year he was born and so i'm i'm the same age as dusty i was born the same year as dusty uh kind of crazy so detective trying to find out a little bit more doesn't seem to be on dusty's case right she doesn't suspect him uh but she does know that you know actually trying to get help from him so puts puts dusty at a particular you know kind of a, a quandary where not only is his this girl that he's he likes investigating one of his crimes but also this detective is asking for his advice so two people in his life are are asking him to investigate or for information or help in trying to uncover a crime that he committed very interesting kind of a thing so cut to they are on a date kind of like parked off the road like kind of where you would you know make out you know work back in the day i don't i, yeah, I don't know if the, i never did this that i can remember right taking a car driving it to somewhere secluded and then you make out like go to a make out point or whatever uh definitely not something i ever did uh, although i was never that popular in high school didn't really start dating until after high school but even then, I guess I always just had an apartment after the, after high school. So, but that is where they are on their date, and uh, Dusty's like trying to tell her that, trying to push her away because she's on. T- you know, she's uh, potentially going to find out he's the killer does so there's a lot of reasons but he says you deserve better than me and she just thinks he's trying to be you know that's like a line or whatever uh trying to be chivalrous in some ways like oh i'm a bad guy you need to stay away from me but he literally is a very bad person uh but they end up uh kissing and in the background you see the silent screamers staring at him because they know what he did now back at home he's happy kind of gives himself a little happy hug yay me i made out with this girl that i got a crush on but at the same time she's she's investigating murders that i've done we you know we all know those typical high school moments when you're home after a date and uh again his mom shows up and gives him another name sheila which of course makes complete sense perfect writing make it even worse for this guy which they even mentioned the other people in the club mentioned how like he managed to make this serial killer sympathetic 
but yeah, he's he's given the name Shilo, which of course he doesn't want to do. You see the look on the screamers' faces that they seem excited that like they're happy like oh you got to kill your the person you're into right oh you you're you enjoy a little bit of happiness guess what you're gonna go fuck it all up right you're gonna go prove to this girl that you know that you are a bad person um in the worst way the most toxic kind of relationship where the guy kills the girl you know it's just that tragic old story uh so the screamers are excited and again as kevin is one to do tells everybody in the midnight club to stay alive because the story isn't done you're gonna have to stay alive a little bit longer to be continued and just as the club thinks they are wrapping up for the night alonka says that she has a story and she wants to tell a story as well and some of the member and she's like if you guys are not too tired they're excited Ooh, double story great great stuff and her story is titled Witch, which, of course, is the title of this episode. Uh, it is a story about magic, love, family, fate, and really just about a girl who wants to save someone's life. And which is very similar to Alonka herself, where she wants to, she is desperate to find a way to cure not only herself but obviously the other people that she's dying alongside in this hospice uh, so as most of these stories do reveal bits and pieces and motivations of the characters who are telling these stories uh, who put put a lot of themselves into these characters so in this story Alonka's name is Imani uh, and Amani and her mom are at a lakeside. All of the women in their family are witches. Some of them have different abilities, but uh, her mom and her are both healers. And her mom is at the lake with her at the park and going to teach her how to scry. Right? It's crying with, that, with an S. Uh, so she's going to teach her scrying, which is basically fortune telling right when she scries she's able to see the future see events of the future uh and while teaching her they're staring like stare past the lake and she sees this vi vision of this little girl eating an ice cream cone and somebody runs in bumps into her and she drops the ice cream and of course she's sad she's like okay so what is this so it's the future and she looks over and she sees that same girl and she's like her mom's like so what are you gonna do so she yells, watch out, right? Girl watches out. D dude, the boy doesn't run into her, doesn't drop her ice cream, but then trips over a rock and dro drops the ice cream. And that was all her, her mom's way of teaching her that, like, listen, you have this ability to see the future, but our job isn't to change the future. It is to help people understand the future and help people like accept the future right because when you change the future it's like a rubber band the more you change it 
when that goes to snap back, it's going to hurt more. So the small changes don't hurt as much as the big changes. So this is what you know. And she also gives her another warning not to scry at night. Very dangerous. Doesn't say why. Has to go to work. Her break is over. We find out that her mom is a nurse in the ER, trauma nurse, whatever. She goes in with her mom. She sees her mom. There's a, a girl comes in, same age as, uh, same age as um, Imani. And she's in the trauma room. Mom's helping her. Girl dies, right? Her mom stays inside the, the little exam room or whatever and does her thing right does her thing she's a healer she does her magic heals this woman but what what ends up happening is that her mom passes out and dies right so Imani takes her mom's ashes to the same lake that she took her to start teaching her how to scry and it is at night she pours the ashes in the lake and she scries right she wants to find out what happened you know like but she does not heed her mom's warning of scrying at night and how dangerous that that is so as she does she sees a vision of a boy she's never met before but if it were if love at first sight existed this would be the closest she's ever experienced when she sees this boy who walks into a liquor store and gets shot that's the vision she gets of this boy she's never met right and as she's seeing this her friends pull up in a car right they know Amani is still mourning her mom they're like we're gonna take you have a good night take your mind off of all this stuff and we're gonna have some fun no if ands or buts about it you're coming with us and her friends are played by Spence um, Anya and Sherry I believe it's Sherry I don't think it's Sandra um, I was watching on my iPad and it was kind of blurry so I and I didn't confirm but I'm pretty sure it's Sherry uh, is driving so they take her and they're like on as they drive they're like oh we got to stop off and pick up somebody there's somebody we want to introduce you to right we showed him your your picture he thinks you're cute so we want to introduce you to this boy and of course they pull up to a house that boy is played by kevin in this story is ben is the same boy she saw while scrying who got shot in the liquor store right she sees this boy Clearly, there's a bond. She even brings up the old line of like, Do, don't I know you from somewhere, right? Whether she remembers that he was the boy from the from scrying or not, right? She she gives that line. He's like, oh, that was that was supposed to be my line. That's that's kind of my game. I don't know, you're taking my game, so now I don't have, I don't have the game. But anyway, they're going to go drink. Obviously, stop off at a liquor store. The only liquor store that sells to minors and Ben offers to pay since, you know, he's new to the group. They're driving. He's going to pay. Imani begs him not to. Please don't. Let's go somewhere else. And Anya, who I forget her character's name in this, uh, says she's going to do it. Right. So they they get pool the money together. Going to get some. 40s of oe a bottle of hennessy and i forget what else they're getting but a bunch of like i've never had hennessy but definitely i many many a day <laughs> i drank a lot of 40s to the point where i actually designed and sold 40 sacks 
uh, when I did art shows, which a lot of parents purchased as designer lunch bags for their kids. Uh, but I designed them because I was like, well, I like drinking 40s and you put these on and the way they kind of, you know, when you're drinking a cold 40 and you have that brown paper bag around how it kind of molds to the bag molds to the, the glass, like it, it made a cool effect of this paper bag that had my art. Anyway, 40 sacks. Um, so Anya, whoever her character's name, and she goes into this liquor store and then bang out runs the burglar and out comes Anya's character holding her stomach. She just got shot. So instead of Ben getting shot, it is her friend played by Anya. Anya's taken to the hospital. She's struggling to survive. Meanwhile, Anya is or um Imani is going on these dates with Ben. She feels guilty. She's like, I, I saved this guy's life who I didn't even know. And now my friend is struggling to survive while I'm out here enjoying dates with this guy who shouldn't even be like I created this situation. So she can't even like enjoy her time. And on one of their dates, they're going to a movie. They stop off to get gas. And Imani says she's going to pay for it. Right. You pay for the tickets. I'll pay for the gas. She goes in. And as she's paying for the gas, the clerk, very nervous, very frozen, tells her to get out. And, of course, Amani knows what's happening. She turns around. She sees the guy, points a gun at her. She takes the credit card machine, hits the gun, doesn't fly out of his hands. But just at that time, Ben walks in. And, of course, we know, bang! And that's the moment Anya sitting at the end of the table at midnight club passes out head slams against the table stories over Alanka runs over to check on Anya she's alive but doesn't know what to do right cut to next morning during group therapy Stanton is telling the kids Anya is sick she's got sepsis her body is fighting off an infection, but is doing so in overdrive to the point where it's, it's, it's eating away at itself, right? So she has some infection, but her, her body's like overcompensating and uh, actually killing her. So she's recovering. And of course, as we do, we get Sandra with her her god stuff god has a plan spence kind of perks up like oh more of this and then she, you know she kind of diverts pretty you know she doesn't want to she knows where spence stands with that so she's like uh, it's god's plan it's screw screw his plan screw cancer too right she kind of backs off of it and then spence talks about how when he showed up to brightcliff Anya was the first person he met, and she told them, told him that if anybody gives him any problems, let her know, and she'll kick their ass, right? She was like his bodyguard when she showed up, right? Said she, she loved him and protected him as family uh, and really helped him, you know, welcome him into Brightcliff. Very different from how she, she uh, welcomed Anya into the uh, – or Alanka into the, the group. But uh, Natsuki – 
mentions that death is so familiar here and that it lives, death lives here, obviously. I mean, it's a hospice. People die all the time. And Natsuki says that she hopes that the death is easy and it's gentle because she doesn't want Anya to hurt, right? She wants Anya to pass away comfortably and not have to suffer. Let's take a little break from the show to promote. I figured out a way on my website to offer prints for every single painting. So if you go to a painting, you can buy the original painting or you can buy a print for everything. Artwork that you don't want to spend $100 plus on nine by 12 inch ink painting on paper, $100 for the original one of a kind piece of artwork. Paintings range in price depending on their size. The eight by 10 print, $20 available in the store at inspireddisorder.com. And now let's get back to the show. And Alanka doesn't like that. Alanka is like a war. She has a warrior spirit, right? She's still new. She hasn't. I mean, even from the start, you know, whether she was trying to experiment with different herbal remedies, Anya giving her shit, calling her out on that. But especially since she, you know, obviously the story with uh, Julia Jane has is the entire motivation for her being there. After she has not only found the diary from Julia Jane, but also the diary from the Paragon diary that she found in the last episode that has the rituals, she feels even more confident in her bias that there is a way to heal right no proof like she's con that got that dot of ritual being the reason why julia jane no longer had cancer being the the only assumption that makes her whole thing have any kind of weight right that is the conspiracy theory for her is that there she knows that there was this a uh, a uh, uh, ritual Right. And then she knows Julia Jane no longer had cancer. But there's a lot of ways to connect those dots. Right. And one doesn't necessarily mean the other. She could have, as Stanton has mentioned, she could have been mis misdiagnosed. Right. Rare, but happens. More regular to have a misdiagnosis than to have some spiritual ritual magically cure somebody of cancer right but alanka is determined that she is on the path to uncovering a way for not only her to be cured with this ritual but for other people and she she vocalizes that determination in a few moments, in a few instances in this episode, but specifically in this one uh, where she's like, you know, Anya would like, I don't want Anya to like beg for cancer to take her quietly. I want her to fight and scream. Like if I had the opportunity to save everybody, to save her, to save us, I would burn the world down. Right. She is kind of she is determined to that she has a way to control her fate that she has 
control, she can change the faith that she has, that everybody else has, right? Instead of accepting reality and preparing, which is something that Stanton is encouraging and telling her that you could waste all of your time fighting and never take the time to actually say goodbye, right? Like this is a moment where you could continue down your path fighting a battle that you assume is beneficial or you can take a step back, understand the reality of the situation and cherish the last moments you have with all of these people who are your family with Anya, who is, you know, on the last, you know, part of her journey, really. So you're seeing a lot of that in this episode of Alonka and Stanton butting heads. And Stanton's like, there's no loopholes. Loops, finding loopholes, shortcuts, get people hurt, right? People constantly looking for shortcuts to things, and they don't work. It ruins lives, and like I said, too busy fighting to, stay, to say goodbye. Cut to uh, the recovery room. Uh, outside the recovery room, Alonka is outside. She wants to go in, and she's talking to Dr. Stanton, and Alonka refers to the recovery room as isolation. Like, this is horrible that she is now isolated from every one of us, right? She's taken away from us. She's here by herself. And Stanton's like, listen, you got to think of this as protection, right, for her recovery. Because while sepsis isn't contagious, whatever is causing it could be. So we need to do our due diligence to make sure this doesn't get worse, right? And give, put Alonka in a, in a place, in a situation that is best case scenario for the potential of recovery, right? She's looking at it from a logical, pragmatic, scientific way where Alonka is just like determined that there is a magical cure, a magical, there, there's some magical steps that she can take to make things different, to change the course of history. But Stanton asked her to wear a mask and of course, Alanka is not a monster. Like people who refuse to wear masks are during a time where immunocompromised people are at high risk to uh, die. She doesn't want to make it worse. So she does follow the scientific advice to wear a mask as she goes in to uh, talk to Anya as she's in a coma. She's not awake. So she goes in. And she wants Anya, when she showed up to Brightcliff, she wanted so bad for Anya to like her, obviously. And now all she can think of, all she wishes that Anya was here to give her shit again, right? She wants the real, like when she first showed up, all she wanted was her to, to like her. Eventually she did, but she understood that Alonka's personality is that brash, like, very a lot of friction a lot of like you know blunt reality right she she's the the hope and dreams of anya have long since faded away and now it's cold bitter and jaded 
which is why I love Anya's character so much. Uh, so she tells her that she tells her thank you uh, for for calling her out, right? For being the not just being a yes man, right? Kind of calling her out and what she thinks is putting her on the correct path of oh don't bother with these herbal remedies we have this seance that you can do we have this ritual that you can do that's going to uh magically cure you so but she thanks her and uh asks her uh, thanks her for being a, a sister her sister and tells her she loves her gives her a kiss on the forehead and in that moment anya wakes up and uh wait uh, yeah Anya wakes up and she she tells Alanka I want to live so Alanka goes out tells Stanton she's awake she's awake and uh so cut to a little bit later Stanton comes out from the recovery room as Alanka's waiting and uh basically trying to tell her you need to be thankful that you have more moments with her. This isn't necessarily a sign that she's going to get better, but it's an opportunity for you to have more moments with her where you can talk to her. She can respond to you to be thankful for this time and not to be hopeful, not to use her waking up as a means to that. It's, it's a turning point, right? To have false hope in any way, right? Which is kind of on theme with, the differences of perspective and motivations that Stanton have versus Alonka. And she, she uses the metaphor of don't fight gravity, right? Right. You can't fight gravity, right? We just hope for a soft landing, right? So you're not going to change the trajectory, the momentum of what is inevitable with Anya. But what you can hope for is basically what Natsuki was talking about, a gentle, comfortable transition. Which, of course, Alanka has, doesn't want to have any part of that nonsense. She's like, I, she's out. She runs out. And of course, she takes her book. She goes out to the forest. She's doing more research. She's, like deter she's so determined and so blindly believes that these books that she found hold the secrets to changing the reality which they might who knows but clearly that is the path she's on that is what she is determined to figure out she's going to outthink and outsmart cancer she's going to find a way to reverse things and make people better and while she's out collecting water from the stream Shasta approaches, she saw her on the camera, she says hello, cut to them having a, a conversation where clearly uh, Alanka tells Shasta about Anya not doing well. And, uh, of course, Shasta kind of on that same side as Alanka kind of encouraged her to look to the library, which is where she found the Paragon Diary. Right. So she disagrees with Stanton and she's like. Proof that gravity things defy gravity all the time is above you. You see birds, you see bugs like things 
effortlessly defy gravity, right? Kind of attacking the metaphor more than attacking the situation. <laughs> but that's what you do when you need to solidify and, and maintain your belief in a thing. You attack whatever is attackable. So if the metaphor doesn't hold up, then everything falls apart. Which isn't, isn't true. But clearly that's the side Shasta is on. Uh, and then Alonka shares that she found these diaries. She found the diary of Julia Jane. She found the diary of uh, the girl whose mom was started Paragon. And we find out that uh, clearly Shasta is into the pseudoscience alternative medicine thing clearly she has a supplement company as most people who own supplement companies are very much anti-established science uh whether you're shasta or somebody like joe rogan right you, you own a, a supplement company you tend to uh push the thing that makes you the most profit uh but also maybe you got into that stuff because uh you know, that's that's what you believe and you're just trying to reinforce what you believe. But that's clearly the side Shasta is on that the that there are, are alternative things that people have like that religion. She, like she's the, the arguments she has are it's like straw man arguments. They don't really justify her way of thinking is. Is real right she is very much on the same page as it were as Alonka. they both feel that there is a way and that these books potentially have that we also find out shasta knows about the five sisters she's familiar with the the ceremony she asks her how many women are part of the club and there's only four so shasta offers to give her blood as the fifth sister that's when Alonka sees that Shasta has the Paragon tattoo, the, the hourglass tattoo on her wrist, which Shasta is quick to say that, oh, no, this is it's a symbol that's way before Paragon, has nothing to do with Paragon. Quick to distance herself from a group that literally wrote the book on these ceremonies in some ways, right? I mean, they did their own quote-unquote research, but... You know, they're the ones creating the memes that she's retweeting. So quick to distance herself from the Paragon. Oh, this is different. That's wrong, right? It's easy to argue with somebody else's metaphor, but as soon as I'm connected to a crazy cult that was responsible for massive death and suicide, uh, no, this is different. This is different. I mean, everything's literally the same. I know the ceremony. I know the five sisters. I know the procedures. I know you need the blood of a fifth woman. Right? I know all those things. But no, I'm, I'm completely different than the, 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 that, the bad stuff. Right? That's not the same. That's different. Right? So anyway, she gets the, she gets the, uh, gets the blood and she gives her, she tells her what to do. Shasta tells Alonka what to do th for the ritual, right? Because she knows. But it's different than... It's di she knows everything, 
you know, don't worry about the books. I read the books. I told you to go to the library. There's a lot of interesting things there in the library. Oh, and the book. Yeah, I know all about that book. Hmm, answered. Weird, weird coincidence. Uh, so anyway, cut to Alonka presenting the idea to the club. Like, hey, she doesn't necessarily talk about Shasta, but she's like, listen, I've been studying these books. I know the thing. I know, well, quote unquote, no. She assumes that if they do this ritual, that they will be able to bring Anya back. And at first, club isn't into it. That's crazy. What are you talking about? Uh, but immediately, Kevin's in. He's like, well, what do we have? You know, time that's he says time is like the easiest thing we can give away but it's like literally it is the one thing you don't have much of right all of you literally have less time than most humans do uh that is why you're there but he's still trying to be on the side of alanka clearly if their stories are any indication they clearly have a connection there is a bond a connection despite the fact kevin has a girlfriend this is clearly something that's real and happening in, in Brightcliff. But he's in immediately, not Suki. Despite the fact saying she wants an easy transition for Anya, she's like, well, you know, the I forget the other girl, Rachel or whatever, and then Anya, they talk about these shadows that attack them. Uh, you say that you've seen this old lady, uh, you know, weird. I've been having crazy dreams like crazy things are happening all around us so what difference is this crazy thing from all these other things we're experiencing so natsuki's in as well and amesh of course having a thing for natsuki he's like well all tech all new technology looks like magic until it doesn't right the idea of being able to call somebody on a cell phone on the other side of the world is complete blasphemy for somebody in the 1800s, right? Complete magic and ridiculousness. But in the year 2022, that's just one of the features of a device in your pocket that most people don't even use anyway, right? It's, it's magic that's so, like, just unwanted in so much of our life. Uh, but still makes sense. It's like, okay, yes, magic. Everything's magic until at first. Sherry's like, I, you know, Sherry's in. Sherry loves all these. She will do anything. She's in. Despite not participating, she's like has a, an effortless love for all these people. And she's like, nothing sounds weird ever with this. I'm completely in. And Spence agrees. He's going, Spence is in also. Sandra is like, this is devil shit. You're working with devil. You're, you're playing with something you shouldn't be playing with. This is going to be wrong. You shouldn't be doing this. God, 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 devil, devil, devil. What are you doing? Put that Ouija board down. Uh, so she's not in. She literally uses the word fuck, right? A Christian using a curse word is one of the most rare occurrences uh for somebody that's really trying to be christian uh really actually trying to do the right thing uh but she says don't fuck around with it like basically fuck around and find out but she's out she leaves uh cut to nasuki going to sandra's room and trying to just find some common ground because she knows sandra has been trying to encourage everybody there 
to introduce them to her faith and that Natsuki appreciates that. And she's like, listen, can you just come? You don't have to believe what we're doing. Like, you know, if God knows you're doing it out of love, isn't that okay? Wouldn't he excuse you for this? And Sandra's like, well, you can't just do that with God. And listen, <laughs> listen, Christianity is very black and white. Nobody ever has weird interpretations of the black and white nature of Christianity. Uh, but she does end up convincing Sandra to go. It's like, you can go, like, just show up. You don't have to believe what you're doing, but just show up to be there for Anya be there for the rest of us right be part of the group you don't have to believe you don't have to you know you can still pray to your God and do the things you want to do we're not asking you to leave your religion we're just asking you to participate in this thing that is a long shot right let us throw this Hail Mary and we just need you on the field okay I know it's crazy but come on so she says she will. Um, cut to in the basement, Sandra, Alonka. Sandra says hi to Alonka. Alonka can't speak. She's mute. She literally can't make any noises. It is crazy. All of a sudden, the robes that are on the ground start growing, start turning into these people in these robes, which you don't see them, but as the robes grow and, and turn into humans, they attack Alonka and, and Sandra screaming, and we find out that that was all a nightmare. Sandra wakes up. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. You know, just stressed, just freaked out. Right? She's she's scared about what's about to happen. Cut to everybody is at the elevator. Or they sneak Anya out of the recovery room. Like, we're breaking you out. Get her in a chair. Go to the elevator. Ilanka and Anya are the first to go down the elevator. And when they go down there... And Anya's like, thank you, appreciate you for trying something, this, this is great. Um, and when they go down there, Alonka sees on the floor all the robes spelling out, don't. So she runs over and moves them real quick, you know, piles them up, gets rid of that message. And uh, the rest of the members of the club come down. Uh, Alonka tells them, put on the robes and get in a circle. Uh, and they start naming the five sisters they start doing the the uh ceremony and they hear the elevator moving and they're like what if that's a night nurse there's no way we can there's no call button to get this elevator back down and they're like freaked out they think they might be trapped down there and then the elevator starts coming down and we see that it's sandra so it's kind of a bit of relief sandra's coming to join to participate she showed up and the first thing she asks, oh, is there anything weird when you came down here? So clearly, after her nightmare, she snuck down to the basement. I mean, assuming, I assume. And she wrote that message in order to scare Alonka, to scare the people. Which is always funny when religious people think they're scaring you, right? Like, uh, like many horror movies do this, where it's like, the idea of the devil is what's scary but if you don't believe in that book to begin with then it's just not scary right you know like 
hell exists if you believe it. The devil exists if you believe it. But if that's not the book you believe in, then it's not as scary. Uh, but, uh, you know, so she, it seems like that was Sandra's intention to put those robes, to give them a message, to scare them away from doing this thing, right? The Jesus way, right? Not, not, don't let people have the freedom to do the things they want. Into, you know, we need to manipulate people. We need to manipulate people and scare people. Fear. I mean, that's fear is the basis for most of Christianity. The fear of not being a good person going to hell. Right? It's, it's trying to scare you into being a good person. Let's take a little break from the show to promote the benefits of Inspired Disorder Plus. So you go inspireddisorder.com slash plus. Sign up. $5 a month. You get to binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free. You get to watch all of the live painting videos I do. You get a special members-only discount and deals for all of the artwork and merch that I sell. You also get the complete podcast back catalog of every podcast I've ever produced. Hundreds of episodes countless different podcasts you also get access to my personal blog a new blog comes out every week in addition to that you get my creative writing that i'm releasing you also get access to asking me anything 14 years of experience podcasting i've been creating art my entire life i've been using photoshop since middle school and you can contact me to ask me questions about that or anything else so those are the benefits for signing up for inspired disorder plus and now let's get back to the show so they go back they start doing the ceremony again now with uh sandra there and they they brought their sacrifices which right we saw the original when everybody killed themselves in the paragon we saw what the ritual we saw what these sacrifices were right so it's like already they're kind of like elanka knows quote unquote knows what this ceremony is and is already changing things right it's not a blood sacrifice they're not getting the blood of a goat uh they're just they brought trinkets that mean a lot to them that they're going to sacrifice they're going to put in the the fire which is sweet the gesture is very sweet of these people sacrificing something that means a lot to them for the hope that it helps their friend so it's the intentions are very sweet but the reality that they are following this ancient ceremony to revive the life of a person that they could just bring down. Hey, there's this bracelet my parents gave me, which is what Alonka's sacrifice is a bracelet that her foster mother gave her. And, uh, you know, every after she passed away, she wore it every day. She touched it. It re always reminds her of those people who loved her so much. She puts the bracelet in the fire. Kevin has one of his track medals that's like, oh, time out. It was like freedom. The moment when the, the gun went off and I flew, it was like this feeling I never knew in my life. And he puts his medal in. Um, we see uh, Spence has a bundle of movie tickets like this is this represents every movie every bag of popcorn my mom and i went to go see movies and uh clearly spence is the big movie nerd he's very critical of of the stories that are told uh so his sacrifice is this bundle of movie ticket stubs that he puts in the fire 
represents his bond that he had with his mom back when he had a bond with his mom. Uh, then we have Sherry tells a story about when in class uh, her and this other girl would flick these paper footballs, which I don't know, you triangle footballs. I don't know if those still exist in childhood uh, where you would usually play a game of football. You know, you put your fingers up like that. You try to kick field goals. Also a great way to pass notes, which is what she did with this girl who she is in love with but was never able to tell. Uh, and her kind of admitting that is the first time she's told anybody. And so she pours like this box of, you know, 20, 30 paper footballs into the fire. Right. That's a that's a big that's a big thing like those. All of those memories. She could go back and read all of those notes she she wrote to this girl that she loved. Um, so Sherry puts those in the fire. Amish has a picture of his dad. Uh, from when he was a kid and the look on his dad's face, like, oh, what, are you, what are you fuck around with? Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I forget what he says, but it's a picture of his dad who he loves dearly and he hopes to see before he dies. Uh, now, Suki has something like a charm or something from a car that she said she survived. Right. There was this car. She survived this car. Don't really know exactly, but. Uh, it's something that, you know, represents surviving this situation with this car. So she puts that into the fire. Uh, Sandra has a coin. She says it represents this boy that she was in love with. Uh, but only God knew about her love for this boy. And, you know, if if the five sisters want any more clarification on that, she can ask her guy because uh, God knows. Uh, and then she puts the coin in the, the fire. And... Uh, Alonka, so they all, as they put their charm in, they cut their hands. Spencer uses a different knife uh, because AIDS. Uh, they cut their hand, they put the blood into the fire, and then they put a thumbprint of blood on Anya's forehead. So as they're doing their sacrifices, they're doing these. So Anya ends up with a forehead covered in bloody thumbprints. And the final thing is uh, Shasta's blood. Uh, she has in a little container. Alonka pours it in the fire and then puts the, the the thing on her forehead. And they're asking, like, wait, where is this coming from? And she did, she doesn't answer them. She's like, this is the, f the five sisters sacrificing for our sister Anya. Five sisters and three brothers uh, for our sister Anya. And then she takes the bowl of water that she collected from the, the magical spring. And she she's like, it's going to be cold. Anya's like, fine, it's cool. I'm dying here so <laughs> like we're doing this ritual thing i'm just glad you all aren't eating drinking poison uh she pours the water over anya's head they start doing more chanting more of the ceremony and anya looks up into the ceiling and out of the painting in the ceiling which is dark she sees the shadows again and the shadows are coming down reaching out for her as she's laying there and all of her friends are doing the chant, doing the ceremony. And she's like, you know, kind of talking like you guys seeing this, what's going on here. And she's like kind of preparing for whatever the shadow's about to do. And she closes her eyes and that's the end of the episode. So we don't know. Don't know what happens. That's how it ends to be continued. We'll find out in episode seven. Uh, but we're seeing, Alonka doing the thing 
finally doing the ceremony to try and cure Anya. Obviously, she was learning how to do this, researching to save herself, but using this quote-unquote technology, using this uh, piece of tech that looks like magic until it doesn't, to try and save her friend. So we will see in the next episode what effects that had. Um, and obviously, we found out that Shasta knows way more than she's put on, right? Clearly, just kind of nudging Alonka in the right way. And in this episode, it's clear she already knew. She knew the thing was in the, the book. The diary was in the library. She's well. She's very familiar with the ceremony. She has the tattoo that she says is not Paragon, but she just does know everything that the Paragon did. Um, so Shasta, Shasta's character is, is way more suspicious. Uh, and both Shasta and Alonka's perspective on how to handle and treat and deal with the kids and what's happening is very different and at odds butting heads with Dr. Stanton, who is like just trying to help these kids transition peacefully instead of trying to follow potentially false hope. But we'll see. Who knows? Maybe it'll work. Maybe it'll work. Uh, but yeah, until next episode, episode seven, this is to be continued. So you're just going to have to stay subscribed and stay alive a little bit longer to listen to me talk about what happens in the next episode of the midnight club new episodes of the ray taylor show come out every single day subscribe on youtube and everywhere our podcasts are found binge the full week over at inspireddisorder.com slash plus buy ray taylor show merch over at inspireddisorder.com have a wonderful day everybody peace out today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about everything that you've been wanting every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real dreams can come true what you manifest in your mind you can bring to reality